Good morning, Emmanuel. How many of you love Jesus this morning? It's so good to be together. Hey, how's everyone doing, Emmanuel Online? Love that you guys have joined us today. Thank you so much. And I love the series of messages that we are going through in our uh, series called In Tune. And it really is about uh, tapping into that frequency of heaven through worship. And uh, we're looking at different portions from the book of Psalms that uh, really teach us about the power of worship. So the first week, Pastor Nate talked about coming back to the heart of worship and uh, stripping away a lot of the forms and a lot of the, the wrapping and the packaging of worship, getting to the heart of, of surrender, of honoring God, of, of, of seeking him. And then last week, he talked about the altar. So if you uh, miss any of those weeks, I really encourage you to go back and, and watch them and get kind of a full-rounded uh, view of what we're learning as a church. And at the altar, we talked about uh, living out as living sacrifices. Worship is much more than singing. How many say, thank God, that it's just not limited to singing, right? Some of you are like, yeah, that's for you. Uh, I heard you earlier making a joyful noise uh, as we were singing, right? Worship is about how we live life, and it's about living with surrender and acknowledgement of him. And today, I, I actually want to look at uh, a story. It's not in the Psalms, but it's going to help set the stage for what we are going to dive into in the book of Psalms. So if you get your Bible, can you open it to 2 Chronicles chapter 20? If you got the MN, Emmanuel MN app, you can go ahead and open that up. You got some notes, you can follow along and uh, then email back to yourself. And in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I want to lay a little bit of the, the context, the background. We find King Jehoshaphat, who is the king in Jerusalem of Judah, and he is surrounded by three enemy nations that have come to attack his people. And he doesn't really know what to do. He's overwhelmed. He finds himself at a loss. And, uh, and, and he's going to cry out to God in honesty. And that's really the only prayer that matters if it's an honest prayer, if it's a heartfelt prayer, and God is going to respond, and then God is going to give him an inspiration to do something out of the ordinary as King Jehoshaphat finds victory in the middle of his, of his struggle. And, uh, and it says the following in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12 through 17, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. How many of you know it's important to acknowledge that you don't know what to do sometimes? Remember times where I've been driving around uh, and I'm, I haven't been using the navigation function on my phone or in the car and, uh, and I've been told, I think you're taking the wrong road. And I'm like, don't tell me that. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going, and I'm trying to improvise as I'm driving and navigating, and, uh, and that doesn't always end up right, and, uh, and it always makes us late. But Jehoshaphat was a lot more honest and ready to acknowledge that he was limited. He did not know what to do. He comes to God, and he says, I don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. 
It's got all this genealogy. Some of you are like, oh, that's a great name. That's a great name for a future child. But um, Asaph, just for context, he was a Levite. He was, so he was dedicated to worship. And he was also the author of some of the Psalms that we have in Scripture. So Psalm 76, Psalm 50. And so this is a descendant of this psalmist. And the Spirit of God comes upon him. So remember, got King Jehoshaphat. Calling out to God in honesty. He's praying and he's saying, God, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, but I look to you for help. Then God inspires someone. He anoints them to bring a prophetic answer, to bring a timely answer from heaven and help to encourage and guide Jehoshaphat as he's trying to figure out how to face this situation. And this is what the, uh, the prophecy said. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says, do not be afraid. Can you say that with me? Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Say that with me too. Don't be discouraged by this mighty armor for the battle is not yours. I don't know if you got a marker or a pen or something. Underline that. That's, that's worth gold right there. We could just end the service right now and that'd be enough. The battle is not yours. Remember when Jesus said, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? How many of us find ourselves carrying heavy weights and burdens in our life? And I wonder if some of the stuff we pick up to carry in our soul, God didn't ask us to carry. And we're actually, we're actually burdened with stuff that he's like, why are, you, why are you carrying that? I didn't ask you to do that. I'm with you. I'm for you. I can help you. And Jehoshaphat is hearing this response. He's saying, okay, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The battle is the Lord. Jehoshaphat's like, oh, thank God. We can just go back and, uh, and, and, and rest and wait for God to do it for us. But it's God's. It's not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, mount, march out against them. That almost seems like a contradiction. Well, if it's God's battle, why do I need to march? You know, why doesn't he just take care of it? But there's actually steps that he needs to walk in to prove his faith and his trust in God. March out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeriel. But you will not even need to fight. Thank you, Jesus, for that. All right? Underline that too. Take your positions. Then stand still. Here's another one. Mark this one. Underline it. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. March out, take your position, then stand still and watch God bring victory and breakthrough into your story. Amen? March out, take your position, and watch the Lord's victory in your story. He is with you, all people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. you can you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, the Lord's with you? You're not alone. He hasn't left you. He hasn't turned his back on you. He hasn't forsaken you. God is with you. He is for you. Amen. I'm going to jump to verse 17 and uh, actually verse 21 and 22. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is kind of a unique way to go to battle. He either had a lot of faith in the worship team or he wanted to kill them all. <laughs> it's like, we're going to use you as an airbag and it's been great to know you. 
we will remember you with kindness. And uh, so he sends them out. The singers are like, okay, we're, we're, hey, we've been called. We've been summoned by King Jehoshaphat. Oh, great. We're going to go and intercede in the most secure place of the palace. And uh, he's like, no, you're actually going to go to the front lines. And, uh, and, and so they are marching and, they, and the, they, they're singing and to the Lord and praising him for his splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. That's the response. That's their defense is gratitude to God for his faithfulness. It's a conviction that God's love endures, that it's unchanging, that it's consistent, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, nor death, not life, not the highest, not the lowest, not angels, not principalities. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And so they're out marching in front of, of the army. And at that very moment, at that very, what moment? At that very moment, they begin to sing and give praise the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. He created confusion in the enemy, and they ended up killing each other off. And God fought for them and brought victory to Jehoshaphat and to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. What an incredible story. What an amazing uh, sequence of events. God, I'm limited. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'd look to you for help. God inspires this prophets, this uh, great, great grandson of a psalmist and comes and he says, you don't need to worry. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. God will fight for you. God will give you victory. March, take your place, take your position and watch, stand still and watch how God brings victory into your story. And then they go out and they begin to sing and they begin to worship and they begin to anchor their hearts and their, and their soul in confidence, in faith, that God will bring victory into their story. By worshiping, they anchor their hearts in God, and they're able to face the enemy, and they watch God work on their behalf. God can do that in our lives, too. If we're able to acknowledge and say, God, I'm limited. I don't know what to do. I've got a scenario at work where I'm, I just, I, I can't fix it in my own with my own skill or my own ability, or I've got a relationship that's at a standstill. It's a stalemate. I can't, I, I can't sort it out. Or I've got an infirmity or I've got a medical condition that I can't overcome. We're not getting results and we're not getting clarity from medical teams. And I, I look to you for my help. And guess what? God listens and God responds. And he brings clarity and he says, take your position and watch, stand still, and watch me bring victory into your story. Now, I'm still kind of puzzled at that whole thing of sending the musicians and the worship team, Emmanuel Live, on the front live of, of the battle. Because you've got all these three nations that came out to war against the one small nation of Judah. And, uh, and they've got spears, they've got... They've got shields, they've got swords, they've got chariots, they've got horses. And then you got the people of Judah. 
And they're like, stand still. I'm going to face you and I'm going to defeat you. And this, to, to many of you parents of fourth graders, this is an instrument of torture. If you know, you know, right? It's a source of trauma for my fourth grade experience. I flunked uh, music uh, when I was trying to test out. Could not get hot cross buns. Um, I just could not. My fingers get tangled up. and I'd, So I don't have a fear of public speaking. I do have a fear of playing the recorder in public. So I'm going to do some therapy with you right now. I was practicing last night, and the dog just looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> I swear he shook his head at me and said, please stop. Make it stop. Here we go. <laughs> These are making me, wait, wait, wait. You're making me laugh. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't play it. I'm going to close my eyes. It's going to be better. Whistle along if you want. <laughs> I'm going to put it down. Someone, someone should take this quick. And uh, now you know why I'm not on the worship team. <laughs> Some of you are like, I should have accepted those earplugs when they offered them to me at the door this morning. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for loving a multitude of sins. But this is a, a symbol to me of a very clear limitation that I have. And, uh, and actually, we can leverage our limits in life. Sometimes we want to pretend that we don't have limitations, that we don't have areas of, of weakness. And uh, when we say, God, I'm at the end of my skills and abilities and resources. I turn to you for my help. God shows up in a way that we could not accomplish in our own strength. Amen. We begin to acknowledge him for who he is. And then a beautiful thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes and helps us. In, uh, in our weakness and in our limitation, it says in Romans 8, 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. In prayer and worship, we might say, God, I'm not great at music. Well, worship isn't really about music. It's about the heart that we bring. It's about an honest, surrendered heart that we bring before God. Because if I say, hey, your first defense and your first response to challenges needs to be worship, too many of us might be confused and feel like, well, that disqualifies me because I'm not great musically. But we're talking about the heart. We're talking about trusting God and bringing our limitations and bringing our inadequacies and bringing our, our lacks and leveraging by them by saying, God, I depend on you. All the more because I'm aware that I don't have the ability or the strength or the skills to overcome this. I need you, Jesus. And that's, Jesus will not pass up that prayer. He will show up inevitably every single time. Amen. All you need to worship is a surrendered heart 
And when we worship, we're spiritually marching forward, just like Jehoshaphat, like Judah, and we're taking our position. And we're acknowledging God, and we're acknowledging we are not God. And we are saying, God, I stand firm in my faith in you. And we're waging war, a spiritual war, with spiritual weapons. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. How many know that people are not the enemy? Amen. Well, for all those that don't know that, I just want you to be informed. People are not the enemy. Every single person, every single human is worth the blood of Christ on the cross. Every single person. Even the people you don't like. Even the people with values that are different from yours. Even the people with different ideologies. Even with the different political preferences. Even with different habits. Even different cultures. Even di- every, every single person was made and formed in the image of God. And they have a dignity, an implicit dignity, now that the enemy would try to come against them and destroy them, that same as he does with us. But every person is loved by God, and they are not the enemy. The enemy is not flesh and blood. So if we think the enemy is a person or a people group, we've already played into a strategy of the devil. We're distracted. We moved our eyes off the true fight. And God is saying, you don't have a fight against flesh and blood. Your fight is against a whole different plane. It's a spiritual battle. Then it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ through the authority that God has given us, not through human. We don't wage war as humans. We don't, we don't respond uh, by human nature. We understand that our battle is spiritual and we respond spiritually with the authority God's given us. And we, we destroy obstacles and distractions and things that are spiritually set up to keep us from seeing Christ clearly. God says, take your position. Take your position and watch me fight for you. Turn your eyes to me. When the, the musicians were marching out against this big army, I mean, you know, there's a reason why God kept on saying, Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You're kind of scaring me, prophet, by how many times you're saying, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. God is aware of our natural responses to to challenges and situations, but they right away begin to say, give thanks to God. They turn their eyes towards God, to his faithfulness, to his greatness, and they begin to say, his love endures forever. Can you say that with me today? Give thanks to God. His love endures forever. And as we face our challenges that way, at the moment we steer our hearts and our souls to worship him, 
at that moment, God begins to work on our behalf. God begins to fight the battle for us. We don't wage war like humans do. We trust God. We put our faith in him. I love what, you know, that song that says, this is how I fight my battles, right? Because if we respond in the, in, in carnally or humanly, then we miss the point. We probably mess it up and, and, uh, and fail when we respond wrong. But when we trust God and we have discernment, clarity to know how to fight, then we understand that God is for us. He is with us and that there is breakthrough on the horizon. When we worship, we find breakthrough in our circumstances. When we worship, we find breakthrough in our circumstances. When we decide to worship God, we end up seeing that the context of our life, of our story, is, is shifted, is changed, because God has authority to be able to speak peace, to be able to speak what, you know, wholeness and health, and he has the ability to speak uh, reconciliation and joy and justice, and he can bring those things about. Remember Jesus? He had the authority to calm the winds and the waves. Whatever circumstance we're facing out there, it could be sickness, could be financial troubles or distress, it could be a relationship tension, it could be discouragement, fear, anxiety, whatever you're facing, as you worship God, what ends up happening is God begins to lead us into breakthrough in our story. There's a Psalm 121, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8, and this is known as a Psalm of Ascent. It's a Psalm that pilgrims would sing as they were climbing up to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And they would sing it together. It's a song of, of the journey towards worship in, in the temple. And uh, you might recognize some of the words. It says in the first verse, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? I want to pause real quick there. You know, some, some commentaries say that, you know, there was thieves hiding in the mountains. And so they were singing and saying, uh, boogeyman, you can't catch me because God is bigger. And then they would sing, I look up to the mountains, but God is going to defend me. I, you know, there's the majority of those who have looked at this and, and study the context. They say, you know, in, in those days, people would pick any hill or any elevated space, any mountain to be able to turn that into a shrine and turn it into a place of misguided faith and worship. And it was, that's where idolatry flourished, was on these hills. And the psalmists and, and, and the people as they're walking to Jerusalem, they're saying, I look at all these hills and options that others choose as their response, that others choose as, as their, their uh, way of addressing their needs. But then it says in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber or sleep. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. I lift my eyes up to the mountains, but that's not where my help comes from. I don't find my help in, in the common things of my day. I don't find my help in the objects of worship that are surrounding me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker 
of heaven and earth. The one that does not slumber, the one that does not sleep, the one that is always watching over me, the one that cares for me now and forever. And as I journey through life, as I progress in my, in my obedience and trust to Lord, I choose where my worship goes. It doesn't go to the hills. It goes to the Lord, the one and only true God. How many say amen to that? As we, as we worship God, as we worship the Lord, what happens is he begins to shift our mindset and he brings breakthrough and resolution to the situations around us. This song of ascent, it's a communal pilgrimage song, song of process, of understanding that we're on a journey. It's a song of trust. It's a song of recognizing that God is consistent in his faithfulness. It's acknowledging that God cares, that God protects us. In worship, above all things, what it does is it grounds our heart, it anchors our heart in the Lord. Amen? So today... Whatever situation you're facing, whatever circumstance is overwhelming, it's okay to say, I don't know what to do. It's okay to say, God, I'm at the end of my options and resources. I turn to you. I don't put my faith in the objects of worship on the top of the hills. I put my faith in you. You're the creator of heaven and earth. You will watch over me today and forever. Amen. And then when we worship, we experience breakthrough in our inner world. A lot of times, um, we're, we're pretty good at masking what's going on beneath the surface and behind the smile. We're good at, at, at portraying the image that everything's under control, that we got it all covered. Uh, and it's good to, like Pastor Nate says, we got to be transparent with everyone, vulnerable with a few, okay? Transparent with everyone, honest with everyone, not deceitful, honest, transparent, but vulnerable with a few. God will give you select people that you can practice full disclosure with. He'll, he'll bring mentors in your life. He'll bring people that, that are trustworthy and that can, that can accompany you in moments of vulnerability. But, you know, a lot of us, as we end up making bad choices, what we do is we try to, to blot out that bad choice with another bad choice. And we try to clean the stain with another stain. And we try to fix sin with another sin. And then we try to conceal it and we deceive and we try to avoid it. We try to pretend. And what that does is it creates a disconnect inside of our heart. It creates a, a, a short circuit in our soul. And it creates this, this, this brokenness that we end up just accepting as, okay, well, these are the cards that have been dealt and you know what? Today, God wants to remind you that he can bring victory and breakthrough in your inner world as well. Amen. Think of the story of King David. King David at the peak of his reign. He's already been crowned and uh, he's over the whole nation of Israel as God had promised him, even from the time he was a kid. And he's, he keeps on winning battles and he keeps on, he just keeps on getting stronger and more powerful and one day he, he decides to coast and he goes up to the terrace of the palace and he looks out and he sees uh, this woman that's bathing and, uh, and, and, and he recognizes who it is because it's the wife of one of his bodyguards, one of his mighty men. 
And he looks and he thinks in his mind, he's like, oh, I should probably bounce my eyes. But then right away, he's like, you know what? I'm king. I kind of desire her. So I'm going to go and have them fetch her and get her so that I can be with her. And, uh, and he, at that moment on that terrace, determined the course of his heart. And he ended up leaning into his appetite for sin. He has intimacy with Bathsheba. They conceive a child. He tries to clean that stain with another stain. He has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, murdered. And he's trying to do damage control more than he is trying to practice true repentance. And he gets to the place where he feels like he's got it all kind of, you know, it's all kind of covered up and, and, uh, and, and, and things are, you know, he's able to, to maintain the, the image of being a victorious king, but inside something has broke. And then there's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, the prophet Nathan. <laughs> love that guy. Love him, love him. They should have written more about him. That's my opinion, but you know. <laughs> prophet Nathan comes to confront the king. And, he's, and he does it in a very tactful, wise way. It, it could have cost him his life. Because he's pointing out something that is off. And what did David do to conceal sin last time? He had someone murdered. So he could have easily killed Nathan. Let's not do that, okay? <laughs> Let's not kill Nathan. So Nathan comes and he says, he gives him this parable. And he says, hey, you know, if there's an owner of one sheep, and then you got a rich guy, and he's got a whole flock... And uh, the rich guy's like, I want your sheep, and goes and takes them. What do we do? And David's like, oh, that's not fair. We, should, we need justice. And Nathan points at him and says, you're the man. That's you. You took what was not yours. You've been so blessed, and you took what was not yours. And David's at this place that we all face when we're confronted with our sin. When we experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit and God loves us too much to leave us in our condition. Sin is always poison to the soul. Sin will always cause pain to ourselves and to those who surround us. And at that moment of truth, when we're confronted with our sin, we have two options. We can continue to pretend and try to remove stains with bigger stains we can feed into the cycle of death and sin, or we can own up to our sin. And we can say, you know what? You're right. Something's broken inside and I need God to clean it up. I don't know what to do. I don't have the strength. I don't have the willpower to fix myself. I can't save myself. And I need to turn my eyes to the maker of heavens and earth and ask him to step into my story. And that's exactly what David did. Thank God he responded this way. That's when he penned Psalm 51. And it says, verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. 
I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O oh God, who saves then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices Offered in the right spirit with burnt offerings and the whole burnt offerings. And the bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. True, proper worship is restored through repentance. And it's when we turn to God in honesty, in sincerity and transparency. And we say, God, something's broken on the inside. And I need you. I need you to help me overcome. I've masked it. I've tried to overcome it on my own, but I keep on slipping back. And when we turn to God and worship, God restores. We know the rest of the story. We know that God brought forgiveness and restoration to David. We know that God did not reject a true repentant heart. If we choose the option of doing our own thing, we feed into the lie we tell of ourselves, but the enemy's always there to bring shame and a sense of guilt. If we turn to God, we say, God, I love you, I trust you, and I need you to do what only you can do. I need you to save me, and I need you to bring victory and healing to my inner world. Amen. Would you stand with me today? An honest song, a song of true repentance not a song of excuses, a song for salvation. Purify me, wash me, restore me, restore joy to my life. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart. Don't banish me or remove your Holy Spirit from me. And I think he probably had Saul in the backdrop of his mind and how Saul had screwed up and God had removed his favor and his spirit from Saul's life. Saul didn't respond with repentance, responded with excuses. And David saying, you know, our God, you know everything about me. Make me willing to obey. You desire a broken heart, a repentant heart. You know, some of our greatest battles and defeats are internal. And nobody knows them or sees them but we carry the weight of guilt and shame. 
We try to mask it, but it still weighs, and it weighs more every single day. There's a poison in hidden sin. And we can convince ourselves that we're managing it, but sin is not meant to be managed. It's meant to be eradicated. Amen. God can bring breakthrough and forgiveness and fresh starts. The path forward to see that breakthrough in our world, in our inner world, is true, honest worship and acknowledgement. I'm not God. I'm not the Savior. You are. And I look to you. I turn to you. So today, I, I want you to, to hear God's unfailing love for your life. I don't want you to hear and listen to this and don't let the devil distort it in your mind saying, hey, there's a, there's a, we're, we're piling guilt on top of you. No, that's not it. This is a moment to say, you know what? You've been carrying way too much, trying to conceal it on the inside. And God's here to be able to lift that weight off, make you new, make you free, restore joy, bring peace back into your journey. Bring breakthrough in your inner world so there's not that conflict, that short circuit, that brokenness between what we portray and what we actually live on the inside. I want to pray, and I want to lead us in a couple different prayers this morning. I want to pray that God will bring uh, victory in our lives, in our circumstances. I want to pray for healing and, and forgiveness and victory in our inner world, too. But I want to start by praying for those who need to get right with God today. So I'm going to invite everyone to close your eyes where you're at. And how many would say today, I need to get right with God. I'm far from God. I need to turn away from my sin and I need to turn to him. And I need to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the first time in a long time. But if that's you, can you just raise your hand where you're at and just say, that's me. I need to get right with God. I, need, I want to turn from my sin. And I want to turn to Jesus so that he can be my Lord and Savior. Raise your hand where you're at. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Can we do this, church? Let's pray this together. Repeat this prayer. Make it your own and say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can know your forgiveness and so that I can know new life. Make me new today. Save me, God. Be my Lord and my Savior from this day on. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Now I want to pray for you. God, I pray for everyone who did raise their hand. I ask, God, that you would do exactly what they've asked. I ask that you would begin to renew and refresh and begin to unlock the blessings of God in their lives and that you would just do something incredible, a powerful, God, in them. Make them new. Help them know that they are your sons and your daughters. God, and I come against anything the enemy would do to try to, to uh, Lord, to detract or to distract from it or to, or to uh, confuse. Lord, I just ask that there'd be such a clarity about your love in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.